You are now listening to the A&R Design Unholstered Podcast with Alex Costa. All right, guys. Uh, I'm Alex Costa, your host. This is episode 28 of the A&R Design Unholstered Podcast. Our guest today is Marcus. Uh, Marcus, please just introduce your brand, your company, what you do, and why you do it. All right. So what's going on, guys? Marcus. Uh, some of you guys might know me on Instagram as Sky Pirate Actual. Um, the company that I own, or that me and my wife also own together, is uh, Cloak Entry Co., which is a training company developed strictly, well, actually, not strictly for anybody, actually, it's for pretty much everybody. So we like to teach people how to gain entry in a non-destructive fashion. Um, mainly the, re the reason that drives the whole you know, non-destructive is because if you're not working for an agency or some type of apparatus that'll take pretty much the hit for whatever you destroy, then you're going to be completely liable for whatever damage you cause gaining entry for whatever reason it is. It can be a good reason, um, it could be a bad reason, but either way, you're going to be on the hook for, for the damages. So, um, yeah, we teach fucking everybody. We teach firemen, police departments, military, uh, the prepared citizen. That's one of our favorites. Uh, pen testers, um, just security professionals in general. So that's uh, that's what we do. And, and you're, you operate out of uh, Colorado, Denver? Around Denver? No, I operate out of North Carolina. North primarily. Carolina. Why did I think Denver, dude? because that's the last class we taught so oh shit dude so i was yeah, that's what it was you're like for some reason i thought you're out in denver dude you're way closer um yeah rap or brag man <laughs> perfect i'll be down there for some business soon um yeah, yeah i'm out of new hampshire but that's uh that's rad dude so that's kind of like i was like following some other lock picking pages and then you got reposted in a story and i was like oh that's that's kind of i think it was one of your um your override tools i'm sorry i'm gonna butcher the okay. language today but you're um why can't i remember words today was a long day i had i had one of those days where like i had like 42 phone calls but i had to drive and do errands today and um like I, it's funny i talked to like chris costa for like two hours and my last name is costa so when he calls me i'm like dad He's just like you motherfucker. <laughs> um, he's a cool dude. And some people, some people don't like Chris, and I, you know what? Chris has always been a man of his word to me. He fucking gets the job done, and he's a talker. So we we're just talking about lasers today. <laughs> so, um, so my brain is absolutely fucking mush. So, um, you did a bra wire hook, uh, oh, yeah. mod, and it works. I tested it. It's cool. Uh, I tried to copy it like. I was like, send me a picture, send me a picture. Like, okay, that's about that distance. And my engineering brain's like, all right, like, I got it. And, and, and try to copy it. It works, man. I uh, love it. I got to polish it a little bit. It's a little abrasive. I use like a Dremel <laughs> to clean it up. Um, yeah. But, a little bit um, yeah. yeah. You do a lot of like, you, you like to make your own, you cut your own keys, you make your own picks. Um, you know, you like fucking with pick blanks and, and figuring that out. But for the, the common listener here, like I started getting into lock picking a few years ago and I bought some kits and I bought some um, sparrows locks and the window locks and just messing around with it. And I've got some soft buddies that have come by the house and given me anti-detention kits and all kinds of cool shit. And so I have all these like, Kind of cool knickknacks that I can't really show people, but I like. 
like even yeah. down to like even down to like those elastic bracelets with um a lighter a lighter yeah. wheel on them for breaking auto glass like just stuff like that that just makes so much sense that people don't realize but um you know break down like a quick how to get started for okay. the common listener uh so for the so there's a couple ways you can go with this so it's i won't even say it's a fork in the road it's more like three prongs i guess um you can always self-start i am a huge fan of people that self-start so me and and my wife self-started together pretty much and uh it's the slowest road sadly so you have to go through all the mistakes you have to buy all the bad shit you have to find out personally that it doesn't fucking work that there's quality control issues all over the fucking place um you can do youtube university which also good there's tons of uh, of material out there, lockpicking lawyer, Bosnian Bill, Dark Arts lockpicking, uh, Uncensored Tactical, like I know pretty much mo- of all of them. So all those guys put out amazing content for people that are just getting into the game. Or you can find a reputable instructor. And I say this is the best path, not because I'm, this is a money grab. I'm, that's the furthest thing away from it. Do I like to make money? Yes, but <laughs> that's not the primary reason. Um, I say that because uh, I I operate as an instructor in two hats. So I operate as an instructor in the army. And I also operate as an instructor in my own business. Uh, a good instructor is like a fucking time machine. So it is taking all of the blood, sweat, and tears and money that I've spent in the last four or five years learning the craft and condensing it into two fucking days for you to be able to use this after you leave the class or any of the people that I, I, I refer other people to. So... I would say that's those are pretty much your options. You can self you can self teach with no um, you know with no content whatsoever. You can hop online and learn from YouTube University, or you can go get an actual instructor to go teach you everything. Um, which I think that's obviously the fastest route. So, well, good. I mean. It's, it's, uh, there's, there's a couple good reputable instructors, instructor classes out there. Only a couple that have only caught my eye. It's pretty much been like you and Seer pick. There's a, there's a couple people local that do teach lock picking to like civvies out here. Um, But I haven't really heard much about them. So it's, it's, it's kind of like, like even down to, like Surly Dirtbag, uh, the Canadian yeah. dude, he makes some cool toys. Good um, dude, man. You know, I bought one of his like scalpel or his yeah. razor ones. Like, cause like it honestly, like some pair, I have, um, I wear cool, cools, cool pants. The cool pants. Um, and they had a, a model that I really liked because I could put my wallet in a zip up pocket on the leg and then I could fit like a lock pick set. Like I could fit more on me, and it was more spread out, so I like had a lot on me, but I didn't look like I was carrying a lot of stuff. And I'm an asshole. I carry like a, I carry like a Staccato XC with a C2 grip, and you know a 21 round backup mag. Like I usually, oh, it fit, dude. I, I'm like I'm a big dude. All day. I'm six two, two fifty. Like I can make it work. And then it's funny when I'm not carrying. I'm like, damn, I look so fucking skinny, dog. Like, <laughs> shit. People think I'm fat. You know, you get the dudes like, who's this fat tattooed loser shooting these machine guns on YouTube? I'm like, I'm carrying a lot of guns, bro. Um, but, you know, I, I was carrying it and then I switched over. Like, I found, finally found a pair of pants that I really like from Cool. And then I had like no fucking pockets. And I'm just like, this sucks. Like, where am I supposed to put my shit? Fucking hell. 
so <laughs> I saw his like little scalpel doodle, and I'm like, yo, that, you know, that rake I can pick a lot of shit with. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I like the way it's kept. I throw that in my back pocket and call it a day now. I mean, it's good for like super simple locks and, and some harder to pick locks, but mm-hmm. um, you know, are you are you a city rake fan or not a city rake? Nope. Fan? nope. <laughs> it's like uh, I hate city my, rakes, dude. Me and my buddy City, we go at it all the fucking time. We'll have like meme wars, like at least once or twice a year, where we're just shitting on each other for our fucking pick choices, and it's like it's a it's like it's pretty much a tradition at this point, <laughs> but. Yeah, city rake is not not the fucking way. I already have, I got follow city too, dude. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's funny because he's like, it, it's always funny seeing the comments being like city rake all day. Like city rake works for like, <laughs> yo, if you want to lock pick that fucking paper towel dispenser in a bathroom, bro. Um, you know something that's like super simple that something with too big a teeth is just gonna like not do the job but like that's about yeah. it like i okay so i'll i'll set this, i'll set the record straight here city rates fucking trash um but no i'm kidding <laughs> um i seen it's usually it's, it's it works in extremes man as either city rates open just like doo-doo fucking locks or the open really complex locks it's like there's no in between though <laughs> so yeah. I think people really excel with it and I've seen you know yeah obviously people um, excel with like the, the Bogota I think it's just a lot easier and it's more intuitive to actually use than the than the city rake but I have seen people work some fucking magic with the city rake out actually a dude that used to work for me uh, Goodman he was one he's one of my grenadiers and he, was, he also picked locks. So we just so happened to connect on that. He's worked for me at the same time. And the dude has picked some crazy high security locks with fucking city rigs. I was like, fucking how? How the fuck? How the fuck did you do that? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, meanwhile, like, I have to like zone in pretty much on single pin picking. That's why I'm as good as I am now is because I can like, I can actually, I'm good enough to diagnose what the fuck I'm feeling with any, pretty much anything that I'm picking. I mean, I can see with how narrow a city rake is where you can kind of like, you can either rake it or you can like get a little articulate with it. So you're using it a little bit outside of its like intended purpose. But I, I mean, that's my perspective as someone who's fucking so, dumb at fucking lock picking. Dumb I'll, in I'll a even, good way. <laughs> I'll even, what do you think a city rake's for? Simple as shit. Like, Simple. like your shed key. You, why? I'll ask you the why. Because the teeth on those smaller keys are so subtle that you can just blast it through and it and it's good enough under tension. So, it, so for the city rake. So when you look at a city rake and you look at a key, right? They look super similar. Yeah, that's why it's because the city rake is supposed to look and mimic a actual key. So those those ridges and stuff they're by design so that you don't the, the rocking motion that you're supposed to. Use, and I won't say you can only use it that way, but the rocking motion you use with it, you're supposed to mimic different bidding sets of, of a key. So, it's so small. That, exactly. If you get like a thinner version or, you know, some that have some different spaced out versions, it might, you might even be more successful with other locks. Yeah, not me. Nope, not good enough. <laughs> He's like Bogota or bust, bitch. Yeah, for <laughs> real, dude. It's, it's one of those things that I'm like, okay, I got my, my five locks, my tiered set from fucking, you know... I can't get past lock three. I'm stuck on four, <laughs> you know? And right. then one of my soft buddies is like, 
Yeah, this this level four lock kind of fucking sucks, dude. I haven't done this in like fucking ten years, and I'm like, oh shit. But he's like blasting through one through three, and I'm just like, it took me longer. I try yeah. this every night. I have like a little, um, a little jeweler's vice that I clip onto my dining room table, and then I have a placemat setting to the left of where I eat dinner. I let my wife sit at the head of the table, um, just because we like tag team feeding my kid, and uh, and I'm just I'm so. Like I have to be outward facing always, like mm-hmm. facing like the windows. Like I'm just a paranoid motherfucker, and so I'm just sitting there facing the windows. And I have like the other placemat setting with all my lock picks in my fucking vice at the dining room table. She's like, "You get rid of your fucking lock pick set." I got a little bump hammer and all kinds of shit, and I'm just like, "No, this is where I hang out. <laughs> like, yeah. leave me alone. Okay. I don't have good lighting up in my office." have a literal box of locks and a training stand sitting to my left hand side right now. And that's my wife hates it, dude. <laughs> She's like, I know this is like our business, but fucking Christ, can this shit go somewhere? I'm just like, no, no, no. And like your training stand, like people don't understand that's kind of big. Like where you what mount doorknobs and shit too, and all kinds of stuff. Um, what do you, I, I, I bought some leashies and I really enjoy the leashy picks, understanding mm-hmm. the individual pins. I'm still not good at picking locks with the leashy because it's like that tension, getting the yeah. tension right and still being able to push the pins up. Um, it's like cheating, but not cheating because, like, you can obviously, I know how to measure. Yeah. I know how to measure the pin moving but picking it with the leashy i always fucking like not enough tension i can hear a pin drop and i'm just like fuck that's my hardest i think i think tension tension and picking it's it reminds me of like when i learned how to tig weld like speeds Mm. and feeds while tigging and feathering your pedal while feeding your rod in and making your little circles with you know the welding head it's it's one of those things that like it took me like a year to figure out that nice balance to weld like stainless steel like thin gauge stainless so it's like fuck man it's it's one of those things trying to find that tension and it, it, it that's that's the magic is the right tension while still being able to pick the pins uh for at least me is is finding that balance and you are spot on you you have no idea how right you actually are that's like pretty much the golden fucking rule in the space is like people think picking is like the hardest engineering is actually it, it's the enabler so if you can't get the enabling portion correct you're not going to get anything else correct yeah that's that's what i struggle with honestly is tension either it's too much tension and i can't move the pins or too little tension and i'll hear i'll be able to get some pins to hold but others to drop and then that's like <laughs> such a defeating sound where you've got your first pin is is held your second pin's held, you're on to your third, and then you go to the fourth, and it's kind of stuck, so you just alleviate tension just ever so slightly, <laughs> and you hear, and you're just like, oh my fucking Christ. I don't know, that's that's my, that's my what I'm struggling with, so. On the complex locks, dickhead lock. Right. <laughs> Hit me so, up, I'm free time, I got you. So, is there? Do you sell lockpicks? Yes. Okay. We so over on clickentryco.com, we sell lockpicks. We sell leashes. Uh, shit, we actually have fucking our staff has our stock sitting in the other room. 
Um, so yeah, we sell, we sell just about everything on our website. So we have our plug spinners, which are, that's one of my favorite tools now. Cool. <laughs> uh, plug spinners, man, life, life safe. When you get over in, uh, this is kind of a tangent, but I was a fucking purist when it came to like the intro row. Like I was like, if I can't fucking pick it the right way, fucking not getting done then. If I can't, and I'm just like, dude, fucking stupid. I'm like, <laughs> so I'm like, when I start doing it in real life, I'm just like, it doesn't fucking matter if I can do this shit right as long as I get the fuck in, you know? And I was like, all right, cool. After I kind of like came to that realization, I was like, oh, plug spinners are fucking game changer. <laughs> so I talked to some some squat buddies of mine too. He said, these are a guy on IG called a, a second story guy or something like that. SWAT dude. Um, and he was, he was actually talking to me on a live. And he's like, you don't use a fucking plug spinner, dude. And I was like, nah, dude, I'm a fucking purist, bro. And he was like, bro, game changer so he fucking actually mails me one of his old ones he used to use on ops and um and i, I used it dude and i was like i was like i've been fucking up for a while <laughs> <laughs> i don't have one i have to get one um that's what i was talking to chris today about he's like cars we teach vcqb dead trying to get out of your car dead like like and that's like that one thing that we were talking today i was just like dude why isn't every fucking reputable training company only teaching small unit tactics right now and then doing small unit tactics with night vision? Why the fuck is everyone focused on CQB fucking like when I say CQB, like, well, let's clear your house by yourself, bro. Like, why are people teaching that? Like night vision classes are cool, but you need to have a small unit tactics night vision class to, to boot after the fact and, and have it only focused on small unit tactics and like, I feel like that's going to be the new change in training is everyone right now, like, he was telling me, he was teaching like a low light, no light class and like 20 dudes showed up with high end night vision. And like two people didn't. He was like, dude, people are fucking flexing hard with night vision these days. Well, um, it's becoming more available. The prices are coming down a little bit. No, it, it is in a way. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I'm not here to like talk shit, but... I bought my first set of tubes from like TMVC and it's like, you got to roll the dice when you buy from TMVC. They're like, this is the range that you can buy. Well, at least at the time, I don't know how they do it now, but at the time it was like, you can get this spec to this spec and you don't get to choose. So my buddy over at Licentia Arms is like basically being so transparent with what you're buying. Like you can pick your spec and pay for the spec that you're buying. So he's kind of like changing that game. And so you're not going to roll the dice anymore. You're going to get what you pay for. And so long story short, it's like everyone's doing these night vision classes. And obviously when you take a night vision class, you could have the dude that has all this money that's never shot in a night vision. So you have to start from like super basics and work your way up. But it would be really cool if people were doing like uh, an SUT class where you had to sign up a group of people with you like your fucking battle buddies because like cqb you can't do cqb by yourself you need battle buddies and you need to be training all the fucking time yep uh so someone that i I will highlight right now um good dude very angry individual but at the same time like he is like the leader that i had coming in so i recognize the personality and i'm like that makes sense so if you guys look up strife 17 he only (laughs) is groups Fucking Marshall. Dude, Marshall, man. He only trains groups, and I was like, that makes fucking sense. He trains a lot, dude. It's 3500 bucks a group. But 
it's dude i've known i've known dave for like a decade dude really no you want here i'm gonna give you some dirt on him he used he hates he hates 45 acp that motherfucker used to run a scar heavy in an fnx 45 tactical i made him no this is the best i made him dude i think it was it was my first fnx 45 tactical light bearing holster i ever made in atax au was for him oh this was like nine years ago and he left it in his fucking truck in the summer on the oh. dash in arizona and it oh. fucking pancaked yep and i'm like he's like uh hey uh your holster's defective bro and i was like you did you leave it in the fucking truck with the windows up in the summer in arizona he's like yes yeah. so i was like kydex is a thermoplastic he's like yeah. fuck. <laughs> i love him so much it's it's really funny because i was talking to another buddy of mine that i met in texas on a hog hunt and we were talking about small unit taxes it was like two nights ago was this last night no two nights ago and he's like dude i'm trying to save up and get a bunch of boys to do a strife 17 class and i'm like yes this is the way this is the fucking way i have a small very small we need more people i have a small group of dudes that i shoot with and a very wealthy friend that books out classes and i hop in all of his home he basically pays for all his homies to fucking train with him and i mean we get to do some really high level shit and the the training companies that we work with know that we're at that level so they'll Mm -hmm. teach us some high level shit it's a lot of fun Uh, i shoot prs too and yeah i I was was tracking i've seen a couple of your comments on some of the pages i was like oh okay oh i talk shit oh i gotta stop (laughs) (laughs) why do you do this um or uh yeah sick misses bro (laughs) like (laughs) My favorite's like watching like some dude that doesn't shoot long range buy a Raptor and then just like talk like, oh, I have this $10,000 piece of equipment and now I'm going to start wanting to learn. Like, no, no, no. You can measure your targets with your reticle. You can uh, interpolate your muzzle velocity and actually um, interpolate your dope uh, based on known distances and target sizes. It's really fucking easy. It's like, it's like pre-math for high school. Like it's, you don't even need to know algebra to like get through this shit. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, small unit tactics. Uh, I really hope. Obviously, night vision's hot right now. Yeah, but I think in the next three to five years, if a training company is not focusing on small unit tactics, they will be failing. They're gonna. Yeah. So I will. So I had to talk about this with. Uh, this came out in the whole. Uh, who was it? The German was a Redbeard Tactical Redbeard. Dot D. Yeah, Redbeard D was uh, with fucking Lucas Bach, and, and then Lucas made that inflammatory fucking post about like all the like twenty year veterans that didn't teach any of the Americans and stuff like that. And dude, I was actually fucking hot when I saw that. I was like, hold the fucking phone, real quick. I was like, so I'm not gonna talk shit, but I am gonna I am gonna say this, this piece is perspective. This is perspective. I was like, okay. I was like, clearly we have been blind or American people have the fucking memory holding ability of a fucking goldfish. If you told a person that you were going to train them and that you were just an 11 Bravo or you were just an infantryman, no matter how much fucking experience you had, they would have told you if you weren't wearing a Green Beret or a prior tag, Navy SEAL, they would have told you to go fucking beat your dick on a fucking hot rock. They would have told you to kick fucking rocks, stub your fucking toe, you ain't shit. That was pretty much the industry for the last 10 years. 
it is very, very recent. Like, they were, you were sucking off soft dudes left and fucking right. It, it, you told a fucking dude to go throw in a fucking ruck, go, go pound sand for fucking 12 miles, plan a fucking mission, do reconnaissance. And we're not even going to talk about the whole recce fucking craze. I can, be, I can talk on that shit for days. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, but you guys, like, the general public did, did not give a fuck about being an infantryman knowing infantry tasks, skill level one tasks, and executing those tasks. No one gave a fuck about that. Everybody wanted to do CQB. They still do. CQB, nonstop, 1R1s on the fucking range. <laughs> like, that was the hot, it was literally the craze for, like, I won't say 10 years, but I would say a good five to seven years of the industry was nothing but that. It's, it's still that way. And yeah. to me, the quintessential fucking soldier is a goddamn Marine and an 11B. It's yeah. like, like they have done more, spent more time getting shot at and shooting. Maybe they were out of distance and didn't get confirmed kills all up close yeah. and personal. But long story short, your quintessential most experienced soldiers, in my opinion, historically have been your normal Marines, normal 11B. <laughs> that, that's it. <laughs> They've seen the most combat. Yeah. So what? So when I saw when I saw that dude, I, I didn't. I wouldn't say I lost it, but I I made a post after that. I was like, "You guys got some fucking goldfish memory. Like you get for doing the same shit for seven years, and now like you're like, oh, there's no way to put shit out." Brent O three eleven was a marine putting out shit for the last like ten years, just g- giving free fucking chicken, dude. Building fighting positions, fucking camouflage, all this shit that they're that's a hot topic now. Like this dude's been putting that shit out for years, and no one knew anything about it. Right. And it, honestly, no one knew about it. No one gave a fuck. Difference. It's the, the non-sexy shit, though. That's But that's the stuff that'll keep you fucking alive. Like, fucking simple-ass fucking bounding. Overwatch. Fucking... Patrol. 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 Patrol everything. Like, <laughs> fucking setting in a defense. Knowing your fucking primary, secondary, tertiary, supplementary positions. Knowing how to set up a fucking um, a claymore. You know, just everything fighting positions fucking intersecting fucking sectors of fire all that shit is the things that'll keep you alive motherfuckers stay up at night you know when it's fucking cold and you want to just be in your warm sack and just sucking it the fuck up being cold and miserable all the fucking time and just running on nothing but hate and fucking nicotine that's literally like half of the job yeah yeah i I just, I really hope the fad of CQB stops soon. I mean, you know, I, I'm glad like Grantham did that thing with Orion where basically they prefaced the entire CQB video with, you're going to die if you do any of this by yourself, but we're going to show you what you could do if you needed to do it. And I liked how they prefaced that. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike gets a lot of hate, but I'm glad he, he does a lot of preface now. It's like, okay, we're not, this is, this is obviously like this high speed cool guy shit, but you're going to die. Yeah. And I also, I've also noticed a lot of range theatrics lately. I'm in this gun group on Facebook and this, this dude who, and I'm not, this is not to insult him or his little group that he trains with, but they're definitely like trying out for JV and they're doing collegiate level athlete shit. So he was this training coming out of Idaho. I forget the name of it. And the dude has a SWAT background and uh, 
uh, a marine background. He's a marine that has a SWAT background that's teaching people. No, it's a it's a small company. I don't, I've never seen him on Instagram. They're not like a presence, but it's like this something fucking training bullshit. And he like posted this video where he fumbles up a mini ram on a door. And then the dude that his number one dude is not stacked. He's like in the middle of the threshold after the fucking ram. And then the door like he like pies it and then the door shuts. And then that's the end of the video. And this gentleman is like, yeah, I fumbled up that that ram. That's my fault. It's like, what the fuck are you guys learning? Like, I I didn't serve. I don't have a background in that shit, but I've been fucking shooting and taking classes for fucking 11 years. And I'm allowed to do some high-level training with some of the companies I work with. It's really tight. I, I'm really lucky to get that opportunity to do some shit like flashbang a room and actually call for breacher and like practice this shit. And with with my friends that I train with a lot, but mm-hmm. this poor guy, he's like, oh, I fumbled up, I fumbled up this fucking mini ram, and I'm like, dude, the dude next to you, his cummerbund is hanging off one side of him. And he's not even pieing the door. He didn't even cross the threshold. You're like, what the fuck is going on? And then he's like, oh, well, we were doing mini ram breaching. And I'm like, why is he doing mechanical breaching when you guys don't even know how to clear a room? And then it's like, that's, and so I started chiming in, like, you got your money's taken from you. And like, <laughs> this guy's like, I hope I go back so I can get certified for, he wants to be, some prison guard or work for the you know the prison system or something like that i hope this gets me certified i'm like no don't ever give this dude money ever again this dude stole from you he gave you range theatrics you know you're doing fucking quantum physics in fucking college right now when you're in pre-algebra like in high school like what the why the fuck is are these non-accredited training companies exist and it's crazy it's fucking I can't say how I figured it out, but like my uncle called me, Lone Star Boars down in Texas. Uh, Huey kills like fucking 7,000 pigs a year. Probably has more gun on tissue violence than anyone on fucking North America. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, this special boat service dude wants me to come and do some classes with him in Egypt, Texas. I'm like, oh, geez, like Egypt, Texas, the middle of fuck all nowhere like where is a fucking uk cat special boat service end up there mm-hmm. so i made some phone calls and i was like this is the dude is he legit and just ask some friends is this dude legit it comes back that the dude was never boat service was like an ammunition storeroom dude that stole ammo and like got dishonorably discharged in the uk <laughs> like bounced to America with his wife and somehow picked up an accuracy international contract and uh, Egypt, Texas is like training feds as if he was like an SBS sniper and is advertising himself as an SBS sniper. I was like, how the fuck is this dude not get pinched for stolen valor? Not, not only was he a criminal in the UK, how the fuck did he get out of the UK after like stealing ammo? Yeah. And then now he's telling people he's like, boat service sniper like this doesn't mean so my uncle like called back he's like yo i heard your fucking royal marine that you stole and you're just a fucking fake and like line went quick <laughs> you know 
and it's just like dude why do why it's like in a in a in a digital age where we can figure out anyone's background why the fuck would you lie yeah anyway sorry for the <laughs> tangent um stop training people range theatrics invent your fucking instructors dude that you're holy shit i hate it i hate it it gives me so it gives me so much cancer that poor kid posted something that he thought did wrong on a mini ram and we're just like dude no don't ever spend your money with these people these are the reputable people in your area yep take your time don't do this shit and and here's the thing too like the rep having having a reputation it makes it makes those circles very, very, very small. Incredibly small. Yeah. <laughs> Incredibly small. Like, I know by name all the instructors in the entry space. We probably talk on a week, a weekly basis. Like, it's, it, you, you, you can't get certain bullshit past people. It's like, all right, they're good. You'll know if they're fucking good or not. <laughs> like, real fucking quick. Um, but yeah, even guys with really established backgrounds, I've seen a lot of them putting out some bullshit too. Yeah. It's, <laughs> we, we talked offline about soft week down in Tampa, it's mm-hmm. a special operations conference. We go for our equipment, but there's some, you know, after parties and stuff. And when you see the same faces at the after parties, five years, people representing their countries as delegations for their tier one units and it puts in perspective how small the special operations community at the high level mm-hmm. and and how like it's so easy to fuck up and get png and the the even down to like some of these higher tier units doing training you know there's still questionable schools like a lot of people come a lot of internationals come to us to train yep excuse me in private private organizations you know and that's why i've been such a huge proponent of so our local like ridgeline defense in new hampshire is amazing and they're across the street from team o'neill rally school team o'neill rally school has been so heavily involved in training like special operations for invasive driving off-road vehicle recovery like that's like been a huge portion of their bread and butter because it's expensive to take rally classes as like a normal thing so like you know we're talking thousands of dollars to take their one week rally package like thousands and thousands of dollars so now you know their bread and butter is teaching soft dudes how to drive you know now ridgeline's literally across the street they are a shooting facility so now you can start to blend the two communities together, the driving side and the shooting side, and then pair that together and actually do driving and shooting and all that cool shit. So I really like, that's why I spend a lot of time up there because it's just the, the wealth of knowledge that I get to learn is, is so great there. And there's a couple other places that are like that. Shaw shooting out in Idaho, in South. South is so great anymore. I don't say that in a bad way. It's just people are moving elsewhere because there's a yeah. lot of other options now. Um, no one's going to understand what the fuck we're talking about. 
But anyway, it, it's just everyone comes here. So how do you, you know, that it, there's a reason why people are coming over to America to train. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's great because all these other units globally, they have their own ranges. They have their own training facilities, they have everything they need, but they're still coming to America. So something to be said about that. And then again, like you said, the training community, your, your entry community is so small training community for these tier one units is super small. And most of these companies that do allow training for soft train civilians, like those are, that's where you want to be. Yeah. At least learning capabilities. Um, so do you have any entry? Let's go back to entry. Um, <laughs> fuck, dude, I'm, a tangent. <laughs> I should probably. I'm probably gonna cut most of this from the fucking podcast. <laughs> Honestly, probably can't say half that shit. What? That's a stupid. I. Uh, well, I don't think I said anything bad, but no, I don't think so either. I think we were just we're, we're discussing pretty general shit. I would say generalities. So yes. I don't think oh, for real. So at forty twenty, let me take a note real quick. Um. <laughs> 40 minutes. Sometimes I'll take notes at like 40 minutes, like trim some of the fat off of this fucking rant because I had a whiskey. Uh, <laughs> uh podcast clip. Um yeah. I'll have to review it, but it's one of those things I just don't like I'm still clipping this. I'm gonna paw uh pause all right so if someone wants to get in we already talked about the training element of getting into lock picking yep but if someone wants to pick it up themselves and start at least tinkering i i know me personally i'd like to have like some sort of grasp on things before i take a class just so i have a better under so i can at least track what the instructor is talking about yeah so, well, like <laughs> where would you get started what is what is your suggestion on how to get started? Maybe what picks people should pick up, what locks are good beginner locks for like off the shelf purchasable stuff. Like obviously everyone makes training locks yeah, that are tiered and those are great. But I mean, I feel like master locks and easy things to over override and pick up might be more real reality. Believe it or not, I actually hate training locks with a firm fucking passion. Switch out. Be they don't, I don't think they mimic the real tolerances of real locks. And so, like, and I, I started off. tighter? No. I, I won't even say that. It's just that you don't get the same feedback from, from those locks. I don't know what the fuck it is about those locks. And I don't necessarily care to find out either. Um, <laughs> but I started off with the Sparrows. Um, I had the same ones, the one through five or the one through four. And then I had the, the revolver. And then after that, I just started using real fucking locks, like real locks that real people use every fucking day. And you can go to places like, uh, what is it? Uh, Habitat for Humanity Resource. You can get tons, tons of locks for like five, 10, $14. You can walk away with like fucking 10 locks. Real like in like Schley, Quick Set, fucking M Hart. You can walk away with like real locks that are coming off of real doors that were in usage. Um, and so I actually tell people to go do that instead because you get to actually feel what real feedback feels like from real locks and and locks that are that have been in use for a long time that are really fucking crusty. Some of them are fucking super worn, and you'll see that 
it'll be a different result every fucking time, but you're still getting that width of experience from things that you're going to run into in the fucking wild. And that's primarily what we like to teach in the class. And my, my favorite phrase in the fucking class is kill, what is it? Kill the hobbyist in you. Fucking kill it. Let it die. Don't just be sitting on the fucking couch, fumbling with fucking locks. Get up, sweat a little bit. You know, put a little bit of sweat equity into your, into a craft that if you want to produce results, if you ever have to use it in real life, if you're expecting to ever use this, so especially for like the firefighters that we taught, the, the fucking uh, anybody in the military, people that are expecting to use entry skills, I'm like, I'm gonna make you fucking work for it too at the end because like you're expecting to use this. So the things that you're gonna run into, I'm going to mimic those things for you in class. So like you're gonna like for. For the most part, any place that we go teach, uh, we, we ask them off the rip, like, hey, can we use your facility to actually break into your fucking facility? One of the first things we ask is a lot of people aren't okay with it because it depends on who they're with or if they actually own their facility. And they're like, yeah, dude, fucking go for it. <laughs> like, I, this is all for you to use. Like, we have, um, we're doing a class down in Refugio, Texas with uh, Dark Corner Concepts. Um, and he's like, I asked him today, I was literally like, hey, can we use your entire facility for your for your uh, for your student for the students and he's like absolutely he's a used guy everything dude i was like oh that's what i'm talking about cool so playground that shit playground the fuck out of it and i'm like this is going to give them the largest breadth of experience for the shit they're really going to fucking see because at the end of the day like it's not just lock picking right because we teach lock picking the whole first day mainly because it's the hardest thing to teach because it's all about feel. It's none about what you can really see, uh, unfortunately. So teaching people how to feel for those things is a fucking process. Yeah. So obviously breaking is something that can be taught pretty fucking quickly. Like, hey, here's some techniques, try these out. Remember to keep an eye on your tension. And then usually most people start burning through fucking locks, right? But then we also start teaching the single pin picking portion, which is my portion because I delve into that heavily. Yeah. So coming down to like a science of how to get zone in on the feelings so that they can start picking up that right away because at the end of the day if you can't break something open you still need to be able to diagnose what's happening in the obstacle that you're facing so um the whole second day is um it, well i won't say the whole second day but i would say a good portion of the first day and the second day are bypasses so bypasses is bypass is fucking king anyone that's in the fucking interest space will tell you that if you can bypass your way in you don't fucking touch picks. And I'll be honest with you, I've picked my way into a lot of things. I have bypassed my way into far more. Okay. <laughs> far more. And then um, a good portion of the last day is creation of tools, right? Because the, the people we do teach, once again, some of these people do this for fucking work. And a lot of guys, we have gotten soft guys. We have gotten guys that, you know, some spooky, some spooky types that travel in and out of countries that you cannot get caught with fucking lockpicks. You get caught with lockpicks going to a fucking Middle Eastern country, they're going to lock you up as a fucking spy and they might hang you. Right. So we teach people like, hey, you can carry like some tension tools. No one knows what the fuck a tension tool does by itself. And quite frankly, it's useless by itself. But we are going to teach you multiple ways of building your own bypass tools and your own picks in country with things that you can find around you. So that's the thing that we spend a breadth of our time on is creation of fucking tools. So that's that's kind of what separates us from our other you know peers in the space is that we focus very heavily on creation of fucking tools and that's how many other uh entry instructors teach that is that something that's standard or is that something that's a little bit more niche 
it's it's definitely not standard. So there's some people that have taught it, but they don't they they have gone into their own like kind of like subsection of things that they like to teach instead. Right. Uh, I would say maybe me and maybe one other person kind of touches on it, but no one goes in depth as much as we do. Yeah, I like I like that. My my buddy Kerry Davis, um, Pocket Doc. He's uh, Dark Angel Medical. He does oh, well. he he does a bullets and bandages class. I used to teach at Sig. Uh, back when he would do it and um he would like leave like chip bags and duct tape out and if you needed mm-hmm. to like do a chest seal you'd like yeah, yeah, tear yeah. open the cheetos bag and then like create like you know a sacrificial yeah. chest seal yeah. it does the same thing you know yeah. so it's kind of like how can you do emergency medical with what you have if you don't have trauma kit and it could be as simple as duct tape and a chip bag or a Ziploc bag, something to seal the sucking chest wound or whatever the fuck it is. And yeah. I like that. I really like classes that do improvisation of, fuck, I slurred that word, um, improv of, you know, tools and resources with what you need. And I, I think more people need to do that because I don't know how many times I've needed a tool, like even like gunsmithing. I'm at my house, you know, I got a punch a fucking squib load out of a barrel or I got to <laughs> fix something and I don't have a tool for it. I have a tool at my shop. Uh, I don't yeah. have a tool at my fucking house. How can I accomplish that with something else? So I think that's super important. People need to be thinking outside the box, not just be like, oh, well, I can't do this, guys. You know, yeah. obviously then that becomes four century. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, kidding. Um, yeah. But um, and I know you've been posting some fourth century stuff. Uh, you know, I know that like Ed Calderon posts some fourth century stuff. I think yeah. I think having that range is important. You yeah. know, I still keep my my bolt cutters in my truck and some other fourth century stuff in my vehicle. I, I'm anyway. Long story short. Someone's getting into this and like you, so you gave some tips on go habitat humanity and grab old box. Um, what picks should people start with? Um, so I normally go with usually the two I recommend are the 2500 series set from cloaked entry co. You could also get it from lockpicktools.com. Uh, there's some, I guess you can go the covert instruments also does their own. Uh, their own pick set as well. But normally we recommend the Justice City kit that we sell exclusively on um, on cloakedentryco.com um, because one, our buddy obviously made the kit. So That's obviously, cool. it, but he actually, he put a lot of thought into it. And honestly, it's a, it's a great set. And it was actually one of the most popular selling sets for the last like 15 or 18 months. Like just burning it. <laughs> so yeah, that's the set we give out in our class. So that is like the thing we sell for our new our newcomers. It gives them a nice base of single pin picking with two picks and then two raking options. Is that included in the cost of your classes? They get Absolutely. yeah, and that's one thing people don't. Um, for people listening, if you are going to take a entry class, most of the reputable companies, the part of the cost, and you'll see this cost. You're like, oh shit, seven hundred dollars to learn entry. Uh, a lot of that cost is attributed to, you know, one, you're picking their locks. They're giving you a lock pick set. So you get your own beginner set or whatever they're including in with it that you get to take home with you after. So yeah. you're, 
you're going to be beating up your own picks. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people didn't realize don't realize that they get kit with them. Yeah, you, these classes. So you I, don't have to You can show up with your own right. shit. That's great, but you also get stuff in the class too. Absolutely. Like you're going to walk away with more than just a pick set. Too. You're going to walk away with quite a bit of other tools. Um, also, material class learning material, uh, USB drives with like the 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 POI. So if you ever need to go back and reference something, you can always just plug it into your computer and go back. That's cool. So, yeah. That's and then awesome. you really. Yeah, you get a community out of it too. So like, we always tell people at the end of the class, I'm like, hey, this doesn't stop here. So like, you ever run into something in real fucking life that you can't figure out, fucking hit me up, dude. Fucking hit me up on IG. Hit me up. Like most of them have my phone number. So I'm like, hey, just hit me or the wife up. We can fucking help you get whatever through whatever it is that you're trying to get through. And you've gotten those calls. That's cool. And I'm sure students are also trading digits and kind of leveling up together and, and yeah. figuring that shit out. That's cool. I, I and, and we were talking about small unit tactics. People need more community. Like, it's not just, you know, I bought this hype beast shit and cool on, on Instagram. It's like you want to be part of something. You want to build each other up. You want to interact with people that are more advanced with you because it's the only way to get better. Same thing with shooting. You should always punch up, not down. <laughs> um, so it sounds stupid, but I've been teaching a lot of. Oh, man. What's up? So I shoot, I shoot a PR, I shoot a local PRS match and the first match of the year, it's always sequential. Like first stages on the left are always a long stages and they've always started sequential so if you're in squad one you start in the long stage and the long stage always fills up with all the pro shooters and it's Ooh. i'm trying like and i don't know why they don't mix it up like whatever squad you're in you get a random start but i feel like this is no discredit to the people that put these matches on they do a great job but it's always the pro shooters squad one shooting the longest range first thing in the morning when it's dead wind and at the end of the afternoon, it's a fucking windy, gusty shit show, and they're on the shortest stages. And it's like they pre-game, they, they're gaming these matches, and it bums me out. So, like, I was in squad three, which is the next stage after the long range, and then I'm ending on the long range stages when it's windiest. Oh. And so I'm like, oh, fuck, I missed out on squad one, so I'm in squad two. So I'm at least going to start on the second longest stage in the beginning. And then they didn't have enough like attendance so they put us to stage three and no one was shooting stage two and i'm just like i figured out the game and the game beat me still and it's like oh. it's it's fucking it sucks because like i end up getting stuck in squads with like 80 percent novice shooters and i end up spending the entire match focusing on helping them not blow money downrange and at least get some impact so they feel like better shooters and i enjoy teaching people i really fucking do but it kills me when i can't shoot with like pro shooters because when i do shoot in a pro squad i end up performing so much fucking better it could just be down to like comments that stick with me like my buddy just being like yo dude trust your wind tables trust your wind tables dude Fucking this is this is consistently this this is the tip for this range. Trust it and fucking send it. And then I end up 
it's funny my buddy he's a pro shooter and he's like one day he did the same thing trust your wind tables dude like you have the right call just trust your table stop walking it in and out and i did and i won the match he was like i'm never fucking coaching you <laughs> you know but that's how like i digest it and i like i shot my, my i had a son uh and my, my son was born in the spring so i missed the entire like beginning of the prs and then like halfway through the year i switched calibers to six gay tiger <laughs> And like learning a new trigger and a new gun and new fucking recoil impulse after shooting six five Creedmoor for five years. And it was just like weird, man. And I'm just like, I was shooting like 15th to 20th when I'm usually top 10 and bobbing me the fuck out. But I I was shooting with like squads of dudes that were like, we had like a little community going, like a lot of dudes that I shot with. We always shot together in the same squads. And then they kind of, some of those dudes stopped shooting those dudes stopped traveling to some of these other matches because some other ranges opened up closer to them like my vermont dudes are like my favorite dudes to shoot with yeah and they stopped coming to like the massachusetts and new hampshire shoots they're just like oh we'll shoot upstate new york and vermont only since that's we only need to qualify at two different ranges to like qualify for prs series pro series so they never come down anymore i never see them and like those are the dudes that we would just like fuck with each other really hard but they were you know, we're incrementally better than each other every other match, so we're always pushing each other better, and we're always climbing the leaderboard, and then that stopped, you know? And then I ended up shooting, like, five matches in a row this year with, like, novice shooters, and I just, I felt myself, like... Flipping, kind of. Flipping. Like, I'm so focused on trying to help them shoot well that I'm not building myself up, you know? And that's that's that tough... That's that you're, you're like in that limbo stage, you know, you're just like, I'm like, I'm so close to being better, but <laughs> yeah, fuck. And I feel like that would be something with lock picking. Like you need a community that builds each other up yeah. rather than like you, you're a novice lock picker that you're confident in a certain, up to a certain level. And then all your friends want to learn from you. You can only teach them up to a certain point. You're not getting better. Yeah. Um, Dude, I didn't get help for until I was really good. (laughs) (laughs) I went like, because COVID hit and literally I had nothing to do, you know, because the army pretty much shut down essentially, you know, when COVID started. So I I wasn't even going into work for about five months and, you know, until we deployed again. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, and that's all I would do. I was coming up with fucking designs. I was working with like uh, my buddy Dave Harville or variant one. Uh, to come up with some other, some other designs and stuff like that. So it was just like, I was, I was fucking grinding, dude, non fucking stop. And so I was just getting like newer shit, like high security, throw it at me. And dude, Seer, Matt Fiddler or Seer, or Seer pick, man. Honestly, I consider him a fucking mentor, honestly, because he fucking was always just like, here's something extra. Try it. He used to be one of the hardest fucking locks right before deployment. And he's like, he sent me a book along with it. And he's like, the answer is, here and this is a thick ass book bro <laughs> i've yet to pick this he's like it's not that hard bro i was like oh my god dude like this dude's a fucking savage Give me a fucking book dude a fucking book with a fucking five pound fucking medico biaxial oh my god leaf casing and i was just like fuck me dude and i'm right and dude we were doing a withdrawal man and i had uh, i had three grenades strapped around my fucking nutsack and we <laughs> My fucking fanny pack, my ruck was like 120 pounds. And we were doing this two-mile movement to leave this place in Iraq for the last time. Like, we'd fucking gotten rid of it. We handed it over to the Iraqis. 
Uh, but they were still trying to like kill us on the way out. So <laughs> we're just like, okay, <laughs> like like lied about where we were leaving from, <laughs> blown up the field like two times prior to that. So I was like, yeah, we're not leaving from there. And so, and that's also where I got some 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 reps too with the whole entry thing. Cause I had, I carried my bolt cutters on my on my back on my kit, um, the entire deployment. And so I had to like make my way through, you know, some, some service yards and stuff like that, cutting my way through fucking fences for an entire fucking battalion to walk through or not an entire company to fucking walk through to get out of Iraq. <laughs> so that we were doing it fucking dead of night, rolling out to these little dark spaces, fucking, fucking cutting shit out, but putting it back so that no one can see that like, Hey, someone's been here. Right. So I had to like strap all that shit up. And then, uh, well, the fuck yeah. do you hide footprints for a company? I mean, obviously, like, they're just looking like, is the fence cut? Like, they're not <laughs> looking that <laughs> close, but. So, the way that we did it, we obviously, we only, we only move at night. So, right. we essentially just did a, a staggered offset for every platoon. So, every platoon would leave at a different time and take a different route. Okay. But it's all the same spot. So everyone had to have their own kind of route, but it would like as soon as you get towards kind of like the last that last like uh, position, you kind of have to walk through the same spot. Okay. So so you're kind of breaking it up till yeah. you gotta leave the rail tracks. But at least if you're hiding the ch- chain link fence cuts, you're making it discreet. You get enough time between IDing lots of foot traffic to a potential hole in a fence long enough where you're safe. Yeah. Fences. <laughs> there, was more, there, was a, there was quite a few fences, but no, it was it was dope though, man. Like, uh, not dope thinking that you might get shot the fuck out of the sky, but dope as in like, oh man, like I'm already in the space and like I get to actually like put some extra stuff forward and you know and because once you're like known as the guy, you're the guy. For, <laughs> like, go get Marcus. Like, He's dude, the one that cuts fences. <laughs> so we. Uh, this last time in Iraq, we were get there was so drone usage became so the first time we started seeing drone usage, I was in a uh, what was it Missoula in twenty like end of twenty sixteen early twenty seventeen, um, and the drones back then were they were just using them for like swarms. They were usually like a precursor to like a V bed um, suicide attack. It could be any of those things, right? Um, seeing them again in twenty twenty vastly different dude the game is fucking changed holy shit these were like full on like one of the drones i was seeing looked like a damn almost as big as a fucking q1 i don't know if you know what a q1 reaper is i do oh fucking desna (laughs) so i'm like that thing's massive and i thought and every time you see a fucking drone you were probably about to catch some indirect that night nine times out of ten um, it wasn't like super often, but the the munitions were getting larger every time they dropped them. So the first time it would like it blew up a helicopter that was sitting on the airfield. After that, um, it landed like right outside of our sleep. Well, I don't say right outside, but I say like probably a few hundred meters outside of our sleeping area. But that fucker was huge. And I was like, okay, so they pretty much made the plan that like we're not going to sleep here anymore. We're going to go somewhere else. We're going to break into somewhere else, stay there at night, and then come back in the fucking morning because none of the attacks were happening during the daytime hours. I guess terrorists have fucking day jobs. <laughs> so, apparently. apparently. <laughs> like, okay, well, and he's like, all right, cool. Let's, we're going to go fucking break into some places. And that's exactly what we fucking did. Broke it, stayed there overnight, and then fucking came back in the morning. I do what you got to do. Dude, drone warfare is like terrifying. Like, it, 
fucking wild. <laughs> Seeing the new Chinese swarm drones is like loitering explosive 200 unit swarm drones that would... converge on a target after loitering and loitering in random patterns and then converging yeah. into a, a an attack pattern and blowing yeah. up in oh dude there's and we uh, we had stuff for drones like drone defender drone buster like college kids made this shit man like this, this shit is not like i'm like oh no i'm not trying to face no drawer you know for the fucking drone swarm dude there's Yo. a the anti-drone technology is pretty wild and I'm only going to say we make holsters and drone technology is kind of like guns. And we, we've already been working with anti-drone companies on stuff. And it's pretty fucking cool shit, the anti-drone tech. And hearing some of like, oh yeah, we don't know the actual distance that our fucking cone of, you know, jammer is, is, is good to, like, they don't have an idea of how like the effective range it's like scary like oh we might take down this fucking you know dgi drone but take down a 737 <laughs> you know yeah. fucking 25 miles away accidentally like it's nope. the the anti-drone tech is terrifying right now because they just don't know the the bounds of how yeah. far their frequencies are effective to so that's terrifying and then the drones itself is terrifying and even down to, dude i saw a drone at soft week that was the size of your palm uh, yeah. had a rocket pod on it for like number two pencils size rockets for anti sniper hide killing like i i don't think i've ever seen that one it had a rock it had a little rocket pod on it and i'm like what's that like anti-personnel rockets and i'm like hold on <laughs> what, <laughs> what? <laughs> you have a fucking pillbox of rocket pods that are short range you know sub sub 10 meter rockets that just and kill whatever you're shooting at so i mean it's like you're looking at you're looking at the shit where it's like okay we're suppressed by a sniper you can't poke your head out because you're gonna get whacked let's just deploy this 40 millimeter sized drone with you know a, a medicine bottle rocket oh. pod on the side of it just ooh, okay we know he's over here it's got a micro thermal on it like yeah and it's in 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 the fucking fucked up shit is it not only has a rocket pod but it's also got a loitering you know explosive payload to boot just in case and you're just like so do they use these for surveillance they're like oh yeah we blast these around we can do you can do surveillance this is your battery life this is your rocket pod you know if you figure out where your sniper hide is you can go in and fucking rocket him and then still use the drone as a loitering munition to kill somebody else or at least wound somebody else you're just like and this is the size of my seltzer can yeah all right well we're all fucked like skynet (laughs) is happening AI is already online. Yeah, fucking. We had like black corners, which were again palm of the hand, but the rocket pod that was brand new to me, dude. I was like, what the? I don't. I I mean, obviously, it was like all like conceptual shit. But yeah, you know, I'm just like, do you really have? Do you really have 
you know, non-guided micro pencil rockets with shape charges attached to them that go off within 10 meters. Like, is this is this real? And I mean, it looked like a rocket pod. It had to be a rocket pod. It it I mean it looked like a Vietnam era fucking Huey rocket pod attached to the side of this thing, and I'm just like, huh. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> uh that's a hard target to shoot. You know, it's not the Cessna size drone going by or I mean that's that's terrifying. How small and how deadly can you get these things? Um yeah. so we're talking AI, digital, how important is uh is frequency entry, digital entry, you know, watching like some of these dudes build out RF analyzers and emulating electronic locks it really brings it full circle that electronic doesn't necessarily mean more secure than oh it almost more i won't say more often than not the way it's implemented more often than not it's not um because people let's be real that the crux in security 99.9 percent of the time is humans right so you can most advanced shit ever but if you're too lazy in the implementation you're always going to leave holes which guys like me are going to fucking exploit <laughs> so like people that's... wearing their badges yeah and clipped shit. onto their belt and that me... is their rf id card yeah. behind their id and me snatching your fucking your credentials off your card and then me walking in as you like that's... oh you're in line at subway trying to get a last minute sandwich you're wearing your fucking so-and-so you know defense manufacturing company fucking card hanging off your belt and then you know, I could just bump your fucking. Oh, sorry, man. Oh, sorry, I bumped into you and hey, you hear the beep of your <laughs> yeah. of your flipper or something in your pocket, yeah. and you're like, "Well, I got your UAD now, and I'm I know where your fucking employee entrance is." Like, it's it's that it's that scary. I want to. Part of me wants to like take my flipper to Vegas and just like practice, like check because like I know like insert key card. That's one thing. Um, yes. But now Vegas is all like touch, 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 touch. And um, I wanted to like kind of fuck with my hotel key, key card with it just to see if I could work on it. But there's so much surveillance in the hallways. I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for going through my own door. So for the key cards for the for the hotel, so I've tried it myself. I, I wasn't successful with the hotels, but with actual 124 megahertz fucking RFID cards for like me fair or my fair. Um, there's a few other ones too. Um, Mefair Classic. Uh, so you have to figure out like pretty much which one is going to that card, and then you can kind of like go on it if you want to. I, I've done it with, I've done it with some IDs. I'll, I'll say that um, with permission, guys. We we've asked our friends for permit. Uh, nope, stop rolling your eyes. All about permission. permission. All about the- <laughs> yeah. So. Um, I've gotten it to work. I've done it. I've cloned. I've actually posted a video of it working. Um, not too long ago, actually. I would like to say it's within the last five months. So, um, it's definitely doable. I would say with the flipper, it is vastly harder because of how close you have to be to your target in order to get it. Um, but you can also make your own RFID sniffer. You can appreciate sure you can get the stuff off of like eBay or even like Amazon to make your own. And then also make a 
essentially like an antenna to extend the range to like 10 feet. So you don't have to be like exactly up on a motherfucker to get it, but you can be like in line with them at 10 feet to, to kind of to snatch his credentials. Um, there's a lot, there's lots of videos on it too. There's some, some good people drop a lot of good fuck candy online about how to do it. Yeah. I mean, shit, there's, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, dudes jacking cars too, holding up the antenna array to someone's front door and snatching, you know, emulating and stealing their cars. And I think Toyota, like the Toyotas, you, it's like a range. You can, you can go 10 miles before the fucking thing finally decides to shut off. Cause it's too far from the fob. It's like, it's a far distance for the Toyotas. And it's like, it's far enough to get doinked. You know, the, the vehicle has been, that's gone. The, the vehicle's been picked up by a secondary vehicle, and now it's gone. Yeah. Um, mobile chop shop. <laughs> mobile chop shop for sure. You know, I know. Like, do you like Unleashed or do you do, you do Rogue Master or Unleashed? I have Unleashed on mine right now. I have Rogue Master. I gotta. I want to try Unleashed. Um, I haven't used it nearly as. I haven't gone as in depth with it as I as I I've wanted to, but yeah. I I need to get on the Unleashed and, and switch to Unleashed because everyone's like, why did you choose Rogue Master? I was like, this guy here. <laughs> and the, the link you sent me was like so fucking old and I had to like start reading Reddit threads on how to use it. And then I, I finally like clicked on how to do it and then I, I was able to get it. But yeah, it's, it's kind of spooky. Some of these like free github how to download you can download the stuff and then oh lady's got a honda you see a lady get out of her honda 2017 in the parking lot and she's hanging her keys off her purse and if she's not paying attention you snatch her keys real quick go to the bathroom emulate the fucking key fob you know record your sub gigahertz frequency analyzer save it you know and it's rolling codes with the tough one yeah, that, that, that's what i was gonna say i was gonna say it's actually kind of it's a lot harder than they they made it look because of the rolling code so like you might get it to work one out of 50 times yes and it could absolutely fucking destroy that remote on top of that <laughs> God, yes I've done that too <laughs> yes you can destroy the remote and it's it's like yeah you punch so you can use the subfrequency analyzer and as it's running you can keep bumping the button you can see keep seeing the frequency and sometimes you get repeat um sometimes the rolling codes are only like five five rolling codes some of them are a lot greater mm-hmm. um so sometimes you're like oh you know 139.44 twice sick like all right and you save that but i, I haven't been able to get it to work with a lot of things like it, yeah. again like you said you have to be super fucking close like up on its dick and like even the even the bat uh, even the charge port for the tesla is like can't do it if the car's on you have to be within like three to five feet. Too close for me. <laughs> it's too close. It's 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 fun. Like they they made that device seem like it's like this fucking end all be all thing. Like electronic bike locks. Like okay, I, I was watching that dude use it on electronic bike locks. Like overriding those. Those are okay. That's cool. Like that's easy. Late at night, no one's paying attention. You can be right on it. You could, it, you know, they only have maybe like two rolling codes, but um. Yeah, they definitely made the flipper seem like it's like this end all be all fucking hack everything device, and it's really not. So I think where the flipper will what makes its money is the fact that you can make it like a rubber ducky. So you can do like 
you can actually like install hacks via like the command line or whatever else on there and you can like put malware on shit that's pretty fucking cool you said verification override is terrifying yeah. so like cool you break into someone's house you steal their fucking laptop and that person's like oh shit my laptop's stolen well i have a password overriding their windows or mac os and then getting into their saved passwords where you can't even see them doesn't matter they might get a two-step verification code request and then you can punch through it that's the shit that's like that's where the flipper definitely excels i think is two-step verification override bad usb stuff that's where it definitely excels but you have to have already been so intimately close to someone's belongings to steal those belongings but at least for like digital theft i mean most people like oh my shit's password protected you know they're gonna have to do a factory reset so they can sell the laptop it's like no you don't i can steal all your shit (laughs) um so that's i think that's definitely the spookiest part of the flipper is the bad usb and not necessarily a sub gigahertz remote. I mean, it's cool going like trying to watch a fight at like Buffalo Wild Wings and it's too quiet. And you're just like, oh, turn the volume up. Or I don't want to watch fucking friends while I'm eating a steak at this fucking steakhouse. Like, oh, TV off. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah, there's some. Dude, I don't know if you ever watch uh, or listen to uh, Darknet Diaries. That's, that's where you start. That's where I, start. I got my kind of like eye-opening moment how shitty things are and i started listening to them like a few years back but i was like damn dude this shit's wild but yeah that also kind of kept going in the entry space i I, I love this shit man i love breaking into shit (laughs) dude it's so fucking fun man uh Uh, it it comes down to like a lot of people like why do you want to learn lock picking why do you hunt now why do you want a homestead? Why do you want to learn water purification? Why do I want a solar panel array for my house? Why do I want all these things? Well, at the end of the day, I, I look at men. You don't necessarily have to fucking... I think a man is measured in his capability. Yep. You know, I think you should obviously be master of a few things. But what are you capable of? You start a fire. You know how to garden. Do you know how to make sure the soil is good for... for growth do you do you hunt do you know how to clean the animal um you know have you killed things (laughs) you know like all these dudes burn all this fucking money down range every year but have you actually gone under night vision and shot pigs in texas or pigs down south like that is a great test of your equipment your capabilities under night vision and you you know you you turn that switch just pig you know some people have done it their whole lives and don't care but a lot of these dudes haven't ever shot anything you know and yeah. then you find out that soft units are doing raids on pig herds in texas on private ranches to to get new dudes who've never shot at people to shoot like shooting a pig at night has been described to me by soft dudes as ambushing a bunch of dudes around a campfire <laughs> like it's no different in some regards you know they don't have nods on they see like us in the dark and they scatter because they don't want to get fucking killed. Yep. And there's no real direction to where they scatter. They're literally just running, hoping not to die. And, yeah. um, you know, there's soft units training on fucking soft targets like pigs. Yeah. You know, 
and i i thought you know people that's that's how i that's my like fucking mantra is like capabilities can you do this you need to so you know not great at lock picking like to be better you know yeah like are there are there things that you want to do for capabilities in your life like is there stuff that are like fuck like something that you didn't learn in the army or not lock picking but you're like fuck i don't hunt enough come on outside puppies yeah he looks like he's about to shit himself so what hole pucker come on outside come on fathead there we go but yeah um so things that me and the wife have tried to pick up over the last well we we picked up gardening one um we're gonna build some chicken coops here probably within the next year so yeah that that reliance thing is huge um shit what else we've we've already been building and stuff like that in general like you you buy a new house or or you buy a house in general like you're gonna get good at some shit (laughs) yeah immediately like having to change out like all this shit um even for like the courses building building shit for like props and stuff like that um i can definitely get to be a little bit more like mechanically inclined i would definitely say that's a thing um as far as weapons go you can always get better at fucking weapons handling. like i'm not really a long range guy i've always been just rifling a pistol um, so hopping, it, which is funny because my mentor was also a long range dude, but he also taught me how to shoot pistol. So, uh, yeah, getting into long range is definitely something I'd like to do in the future, but I know that shit's super. <laughs> so, no, but you said mechanical, like two stroke, small motor repair, super important. Like, yeah. how do you convert a lawnmower into something else? Like it's got, it's got a fucking drive shaft. You can put a pulley on it. Like what can you power with a lawnmower or um i i want to get into solar like i i watch a bunch of dudes on youtube i want to build a whole house battery to power um i have a propane fed house for water but i had an hvac system put on can i get a solar panel ready to to pay for that because i'm paying asshole money right now for electricity in the winter time to balance out the asshole prices for propane which are and then I have a wood stove, so I have three ways to heat my house, but oh. I'd like to find, like, but, and the wood stove's great, it puts a dent on the cold days, but, like, I can't just feed the wood stove all day long, I have to go to work, my wife has to do things. So, you know, I'd like to have a fourth way to kind of power my home, just because I live in an area where we lose our power, like, 12 times a year. Yeah. Oh, damn. Um, we had a great power company in New Hampshire that got considered a monopoly by Beds, so they had to section off certain portions mm. of their network to other companies, and we're on another company's grid, and they treat people like shit. So, you know, it comes down to like, okay, they don't do a lot of maintenance upkeep for for limbs and stuff, and they're running like 1950s unshielded wire for their power to all these you know, places all over New Hampshire. You know what the fuck is actually going on. so uh it's, it's you know i live out in the middle of nowhere and it's great but how do we uh control that and control it a little bit better you know we're off well water treatment everyone does drill wells in new hampshire because it's granite state uh you drill into fucking granite you're releasing radon which is uh you know radioactive gives you cancer and then when you drill into um you drill into granite you're also releasing arsenic (laughs) okay so we have arsenic in the water and radon in the water so you need treatment systems that need to be so i want to do solar 
but you know hunting fishing mechanics you know machine design small engine repair like how many dudes out there know how to do this rather than spending so much time behind their fucking cell phones just bickering on the internet about what version of a mark 12 they're the biggest boner for couldn't be more fucking spot on <laughs> it's a sad it's a sad a sad state that we're in right now i think it's vastly better than where we were at even two years ago but it's definitely we could there, there's definitely some work that needs to be done i think the community building starting um i preach that shit on 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 live tv all the fucking time with uh aftermath gear my buddy chris up in uh, up in philly and it's, it's what it all comes down to man if you can't fucking insulate your family from the bullshit like what the fuck are you actually doing Yep, and you preach that a lot. I see that on your page a lot. You, um, you know, you post your text posts where you're basically calling people out for their capabilities, or you're so hyper fixated on X, Y, and Z, but you're not doing X, Y, and Z. I see. I see you post a lot of rebuttals too. Like, I'm sorry I offended this group of people, but this is how I feel about this. You know, stop apologizing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You don't do the most. No, 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 no. No, for the most part, it's not. The stuff I post that's inflammatory isn't necessarily to offend people. I think people have very delicate sensibilities. Yeah. The fucking day, I don't give a fuck about your feelings, bro. <laughs> but, but I don't want people to be fixated on being butthurt. I want them to fixate on being solution-oriented. So if you're so angry that you can't see the solution, I want you to draw it back with me because I'm not trying to get you there. I want you to see the solution and start moving towards that on your own. It sucks you have to offer that context in a postscript almost every other fucking time you post something yeah. where you're just trying to bring awareness to an aspect of someone's life. And I'm reading the comments, and there's so many fucking people that feel personally attacked. Yeah. And then you're just like, oh my god, shut the fuck up. Like, you're he's not attacking you. He just wants you to think outside the box. Why mm -hmm. do you feel so personally attacked by it? And then... And then you're wasting your energy trying to defend yourself with more context because people are unwilling to really just look at the bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that, that's at the end of the day, I know what my, my mission is to like, to once again, to bring that awareness, to get people there because we're, we're losing quite frankly, like with the way the world's going right now, we're fucking losing, we're losing bad. So I don't need more people to be fu I don't need more people to be fucking offended and you know diving further into their ignorance. I need them to be like, "Oh shit, that's the fucking light. Let me walk towards it and you know maybe attempt some self-reliance here." You know, cuz it's it's getting it's going to get catastrophically worse. Um we see all this shit ramping up. Every, every day you're seeing something new like the fucking uh substations getting attacked all the fucking time now. It's just happening. It's happening almost like once or twice every other month now. That's that's a pretty drastic uptick from the last ten years. Have right? you caught anyone? So apparently, yeah, I just caught someone in in, in Tacoma. I don't buy it <laughs> personally. They were like, "Oh, they were doing this for a robbery," and I was like, "You know what? That was one of the three um, motives that I did: either state funded, federal, or uh, foreign or domestic, non-state." Or someone using it as a diversion to do something else. 
one of those three things because it's the only thing that makes any sense um and they were like oh yeah these guys and they had the most bougie weapons they had like a fucking like sawed off Mosin Nagant <laughs> like just the goofiest weapons you could see I was like that's not that's stop that's not it <laughs> okay Kyber pass um yeah. dude so, that's that's not bougie that's just like match it I want you to I want you to draw these lines with me right now just hear me out <laughs> oh, oh dude oh, so people that know me know I'm a fucking tinfoil hat to the fucking max dude <laughs> yeah you are <laughs> Very much. It's great. No, but people, the things that I know from the people I've worked with, it's nothing surprises me at this point. Okay. So, the thing that drew that drew my attention initially was the places that the, the, that the attacks were happening. And they all were centrally located. I don't know if you know anything about Moore County or Pinehurst or, or you know. I'm sure you do. Enough. Most densely populated area of soft and tier one fucking veterans probably on the face of the fucking earth it happens there and then you start seeing some really weird kind of uh I don't know, laws dropping all of a sudden from their sheriffs and stuff like that lockdown and stuff like that and i was like oh whoa, 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 whoa. this isn't worth a lockdown what the fuck are you locking down more county for and then it happens somewhere else and they lock down that place and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm starting to draw some fucking conclusions right now because what's over in fucking Tacoma? First group and fucking second bat. And 160th fucking sword. What's in Kansas? What was the one in Kansas? Like, population 1600 locked down. Uh, what was that place? Um, I can't remember the name right it's, off the top of It started with a P. It was like... Oh, dude, I don't know. Some butt-fuck-ass name, dude. I have been literally to every... I've been to Possum Crossing, Kansas, okay? Like, I've been to some fucking... I've been to Humansville, Missouri, all right? Like, I've been to some fucking places. And I'm like, 1600? Like, what the fuck is there that they're doing a lockdown? You exactly. know? Like, why? See the fucking video? No. The, what, dude, Kansas? The, no, of the... Uh, I think it was like their police chief or the mayor or something like that. Brother, I had I thought this was a video on Al Jazeera back in like 07, just prior to someone getting their fucking head cut off. This is what the, what the video looked like. One person sitting down, super, super dim room, four dudes standing behind her looking like enforcers. I was like, this looks like literally Al Jazeera right now on TV. And this is in fucking nowhere, fuck nowhere, fucking Arkansas. And they locked that place down over two murders. Two murders. They were like, oh, there's uptick in uh, two murders, bro. I was like, go to fucking Chicago, bro. You'd have nuked that place. <laughs> so, dude. But I'm like, and that's when I put out the post. I was like, dude, they're normalizing not lockdowns in front of your fucking eyes right now. Well, they they're saw so that it worked. They, they, they saw a big government do it and everyone comply. So, small yeah. government, dude, this is what, this is. Sorry, sorry to cut you off here. People don't understand that it's very easy to get involved in small government communities. Yep. Like New Hampshire is probably one of the best small government communities. All all politics are corrupt. But like how many of you listening have gone down to your state house and actually been part of a hearing, like uh like a debate on, you know, we went there was a magazine ban proposition here in New Hampshire. We went down there and we all signed the petition, anti-magazine ban, and we listened to 
the the person that wrote the anti-gun bill and then listen to the board you know rebuttal and then everyone could say their piece and sign up to speak like how many people have actually done that right more people zero yeah how many people have actually gone down the state house and done that and i've only done it a couple times uh but we have a very pro 2a governor here in new hampshire even though it's like oh you guys are blue on papers like we have literally the most pro 2a governor in the united states and we have the least amount of gun laws in the united states everyone's like oh you're a blue state we actually have the best gun laws in the best in the fucking state everyone's like well what about arizona hey that's actually a blue state now um but it's it's one of those things people like think that becoming be being up in new hampshire like we're a fucked up state no we're actually the best like hands down bar none the best fucking gun state and um but it's because there's even though you know it's been blue governors you know it'll flip like if there's a red governor the state's blue if it's a blue governor the state's red like it flips back and forth but it's so close 50 50 almost by like a tenth of a percent that it'll flip every time yeah no blue governor is going to pass anti-gun laws for fear of getting fucking killed because it's such a fucking outside of the three major cities it's rural as fuck farm as fuck and fuck you as fuck so you know it's well i lost your audio Oh shit! Oh, now I hear you. There you go. It cut off for a sec. No, I, that's 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 amazing, dude. And that was, and and that's healthy too. That's that's a super healthy fear for a politician to have. And it's funny because when I say that, I get labeled as an anarchist, a fucking you, you get labeled a whole bunch of shit. And there, I, I have to be careful a lot of times about what I fucking say on on podcasts. But for the most part, I fucking send it, dude. <laughs> so well, anarchy like, yeah. is a very anarchy is a spectrum. People forget. Yeah. And you say, oh, well, I, I'm more of a, you know, I'm more of an anarchist. And then people are like, oh, you, you don't believe in government? And I'm like, no, I believe in local government. Yeah. I don't believe in corporate greed government. Like, I believe in small local governments doing and shot calling their own shit because the normal, you know, Joe Schmo down the street has an opinion and people will actually fucking listen. Yeah. Versus like even like raising chickens, right? That's 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 anarchy. You're fending for yourself because you just don't want to buy pasteurized hormonal fucking eggs, right? You just you're you're going against the system, not vaccinating your kids because you don't know what's actually going into them. You know, they say that this is recommended, fuck that. Like all of these little facets are levels of anarchy. You teaching entry that's anarchy you're teaching someone something that can help them but most people look as nefarious like your entry is just so entry is homeschooling your kid or, sorry um anarchy yeah. is like homeschooling your kids and you know not pulling a fucking building permit to to move your shed like in new hampshire you pull a building permit to put your shed if you have to move that shed you have to pull another building permit like who the fuck wants to pull a building permit to move a shed no one like why <laughs> why do you have to pay to move a shed on your own fucking property yeah like that's anarchy just not pulling a permit to put your own fucking to actually do like let's say a generator hookup for your house like not pulling a permit to have and pay an electrician to come in. You just do it to code yourself because it takes two fucking seconds. Kill the power, get the correct gauge wire, wire in your hookup, put a lock up on your a lockout on your fucking you know, panel, 
and roll your fucking generator out. But you would need to pull a permit to do that. Like, no. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> so that's, you know, fishing in your own property and not buying a fucking fishing license. I think everyone yeah. should buy fishing licenses and hunting licenses because it does go to conservation. But, you know, in general, that's anarchy. People don't realize that's anarchy. Don't look at it as breaking the law. That's just mild anarchy in certain spectrum. So... <laughs> And I, I view laws is people don't like my views on that shit either. I think laws in general are, for the most part, generate revenue for the state. Um, the other part of that, I don't, I don't equate laws with morality in the slightest. So, like, there are some look that will help you tell the government to go fuck off that people just aren't aware of, and then there are literal laws that are there to trample the fuck out of your fucking rights. So there, there's that too. And so, me personally, I my my philosophy is do, literally do what the fuck you want like legal or illegal understand the consequences don't bitch about the consequences when they come for you that's been my thing so very unsavory shit in my life i'm i'm at peace with the fuck what i what i've done i don't give a fuck i because I, because i knew the consequences that i know like what i'm risking if i go do this thing. i typically like as long as i'm not hurt you know as long as you're not hurting somebody cool like you want to fucking smoke weed? Smoke weed. You're not hurting anyone. You're, you want to go fucking do something? You're not hurting somebody. You know, you want to you wanna put a stock on your pistol. Fucking do it. How many times have you ever bumped into an ATF agent who wanted to uh, verify your fucking SBR? I've flown with belt-fed machine guns across this country. I had a TSA agent, too. I had this fucking hoss of a human. Big dude. <laughs> He's just like... Yo, how do you see a side case? And I'm like, all right, dude, sure. It's a belt bed. He's like, all right. He looks at it. He's like, what's in there? And it's a salt pack. I was like, ammo. That is the factory box that the ammo comes in. Okay. <laughs> all right. Legit. legit. And, he, and then he goes, I mean, he was like a Houston. He was like, <laughs> he was a, he was a old school cat from Houston. You know, my wife carries a Glock nine. Like, I'm just like, dude, okay. I, I, I was a cop for 25 years. I carry a, a shield nine or something like that. I'm like, all right, all right. Just stop talking about guns to me. Um, but he goes, I need you to open it. I need you to open the, the receiver. Hey, you didn't even say receiver. I need you to open that. Like, you want me to open the receiver? He's like, yeah, I need to see what's inside. I was like, the bullet carrier group, recoil spring assembly gas piston like it's like how the gun functions he's like i need to make sure you're not hiding explosives or drugs in there i was like who the fuck would hide drugs or explosives in a belt fed machine gun traveling interstate like you're asking to get a tsa swab down anyway by traveling with loaded belts <laughs> and a belt fed nice and he's like What's that? I was like, bolt carrier. Is there any way you can hide something in here? I was like, probably, mm. but why would I do that? Sure. Maybe a little bit of comp B if you want to get fucking spicy, I guess. He goes, all right, lock, oh. your, lock your thing up. And I was like, all right, cool. And I reached for you. He's like, what are you doing? Why are you reaching for your gun? I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, you just told me to lock it up. Oh, yeah, sorry. Popping me, bro. I'm just like, oh my god, I fucking hate TSA, the most useless, useless fucking federal agent ever. Oh, 100%. Um, I do have a question about your PKM. What do you have? Is it like pretty, uh, pretty recently made, or is it like old school PK or actual like modernized? Uh, 
Well, it's it's a Voltor receiver. Bought it from Larry Vickers. Um, oh. And it was a piece of shit for me. So it was beat to shit, broken trigger pins. The extractor and ejection cover were out of timing. So I had to send it out to my buddies at M13 Vegas, and they better. Um, also, I was having, because I was stovepiping with it, I was talking to some like alpha cats, and they were like, oh, just turn the gas setting up. And I'm like, yeah. Gas setting at the front of the, the fucking yeah. Gas. They turned. They told me I had it suppressed too, so it was overgassed, and um, I, I undid that. No more suppressed. <laughs> and then um, he's like, "Yeah, we, you know, I mean, when I say out, like Russian alpha, like, like yeah, yeah. Cat, He's just like, no, our suppressed guns, you know, we just run on you know adverse setting three, and I'm just like, yeah. I literally bent the receiver, so. I was like, okay, not listening to fucking pick things up and put things down, alpha dudes. Um, you know, people are like clean the gas ports. I was like, I what clean the gas ports every fucking belt? Like that's this is a PKM. Like that oh. doesn't make sense. So uh, unsuppressed, like too much blowback from suppressed. So I took that off, douched it, cleaned it. M13 was like, stop running it suppressed. Like, but it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it it was pretty rad suppressed, but it just it was just way too the rate of fire was insane. It bolt carrier wasn't uncorking at the right timing. Everything was out of timing. And because it was overgassed, somehow it was like flexing the receiver so that the bolt carrier was actually putting pressure on the trigger pin assembly and breaking trigger pins. Oh. And that was happening before I suppressed it. So I had to have custom trigger pins made. Tried to buy Noveski's PKM trigger pin. I had to like order all kinds of shit. So I have like all these extra pins now. Um, yeah. I don't think PKMs are as resilient as people really think. They are, and they come with really specific issues depending on where you get them. It's... Uh, ones that we shoot from bulgaria those have a pitting issue for the bolt head the, the bolts so the i don't know if it's the corrosive ammo that's causing the the, the pitting or it, if it's like chamber pressure or i don't know what it is because we, we've had it out of the i think the 16 pkms we have i think 14 of have succumbed to that yes. to issues so we're like maybe it's the it's probably the ammo are you hosing oh. them down with Windex after? No. <laughs> so that's how you you beat corrosive ammo. Windex. Oh. Ammonia <laughs> is opposite pH. So I'll try can, that. So you can, after you shoot them, you can hose them down with Windex and then do your cleaning regime. Typically prevents corrosion penetrating a metal. Um, so yeah, Windex is like the cure-all for, for corrosive ammo. Um, yeah, no, they just, I was talking to a buddy, Taylor, and, and he was just like, dude, P people think PKMs are the end all be all fucking GPMG. They beat themselves to death. They are married with two barrels. And when those barrels are hot swapped and shot out, they are fucking useless yep. until you get them rebuilt and headspace to a new set of barrels. And those barrels have to be matched. And if they're not, you can't just like buy PKM barrels and throw them in. Like you can get lucky. I have like five barrels, but they're so finicky at that point that the timing, the unlocking, switching between bolt carriers, like everything is built around the two factory barrels and the factory gun. 
Also, if you ever had any issues with the uh, the ejection port assist breaking on the inside? No, mine was just bent from. Dude, we had that happen on two of ours, and so we we taught some some SF dude pretty much like if this happened. No, it wasn't as SF dude. It was a Marsoc guy. If this happens to happen to you downrange, because once that happens, you you're, the, the weapon's pretty shot. It's gonna per, it's gonna prevent your bolt from being able to retract all the way to the rear. It'll stop it pretty much midway every single fucking time. So essentially you have to like slam the bolt forward. You have to like go in with like a literal set of pliers and like rip that little C clamp off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have to like smack off the, the obviously the, the retain for the, uh, the ejection, uh, the ejection port cover. And they just remove the entire ejection port cover. And then from there you can shoot it. <laughs> it'll it'll fucking it'll function but obviously uh you know something getting inside of your fucking pkm is very likely at that point <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna lie i prefer my m4 type lotto posties to not even have a fucking uh recoil buffer spring detent in them <laughs> i've broken detents and you live a dangerous life <laughs> i have no I don't know. I guess I'm just indoctrinated that I've always had them. So no, no, dude. You fucking you stick your finger in there, and when you're assembling them, you just fucking spring load it, and it sits at the back. There's no reason why you can't have it that way. And oh, um, I, I in one of those SUT classes that I took with my buddy, I blew that apart, and we had to like mortar my gun to get it apart because I had springs wedged in between the bolt carrier and receiver because that whole assembly just blew apart and mm. i ran it like three more thousand rounds that week without uh a detent and spring holding the buffer back and you know i was like i was talking to my buddy i was like is there any reason why this won't work and he's like no it just makes field servicing the weapon harder because now it's under tension yeah. um and it just kind of blows apart you know, when you pull it apart, you just kind of have to grab the spring and capture it real quick. But there's really no reason why it wouldn't. Because the bolt carrier is, is still against that face. The bolt right. carrier still sits within a millimeter of that face. If there's a millimeter of over-travel from the buffer, and there's no more forward travel from the bolt carrier, it's just of ease of disassembly and servicing. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you no longer have it camming. You start seeing those teeth marks around your buffer. You no longer have it camming against that face. So. Yeah, I'm indoctrinated, dude. I, yeah, you you are. You are. It's fine, though. You know, it's it's I'm a mechanical engineer, bro. I'm just like, I don't see what the problem is. So why would I care? Oh, I've got, there's a. I don't think they're engineers. I think they're all just, I think they're all just like foreign weapons mechanics that work at this, this, at this place that I go to. Um, but there's this like old, like two seven five guy there. He's like the head shabalaba ding dong, but he does like all the like really weird testing. And so like when we, we, I asked him about the whole pitting problem with the bull, he recommended some fucking wild shit. I'm going to, I'm obviously, mention his name <laughs> like why don't we drill a small hole ever so inside of the bolt 
just to relieve some of that pressure, I was like, this gun's going to blow up in your fucking face. <laughs> he's just got like mad scientist vibes. Like he's just like, what would happen? And dude's w- wicked smart. He's just like, I'm going to do some tinkering today. And <laughs> so it's like, dude, you put me behind some glass. I'll watch that with you. Do a thousand round test on that bad boy. I will watch that with you. He's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> um, hold on. So I bought the wrong. I bought a Springco green rifle length buffer spring accidentally a few weeks ago and put it in my Knight's Arm at 11.5. And carbine buffer tube and you know i'm i'm like i'm testing buffer spring weights because i usually don't fuck with weights but like you can't gas tune a fucking heights and switching to like a heavy buffer is causing like too much return recoil so like the gun tipping down i'm like all right it's already an h tube from cac I'm running a high flow can, which is only adding like one to three percent bolt speed increase. So the only way I can tune this night's armament gun is with springs. That's what I came to the conclusion. So I ended up everyone's like, get the Voltor rifle length buffer with this that. I was like, I don't want it. It's a fucking CQB gun. I want the carbon carbine length. I ended up buying the green spring accidentally and I put it in there. And it perfect fucking super soft shooter three o'clock ejection fucking nothing the only thing is and and it's and people are like oh well it's the wrong length spring and i'm like well if you compare a standard power fucking carbine spring to a slightly higher powered carbine spring so spring coes white versus spring coes red and white they're a quarter inch difference already mm-hmm so there's already more spring being compressed in this buffer tube when you switch to a slightly higher powered spring. And then I started looking at the different springs and comparing them. A standard weight spring isn't getting thicker and girthier. They're just <laughs> elongating it by spring length. Right. And I'm like, so what's the fucking problem putting a rifle spring in with a carbine buffer into a carbine length buffer tube. Everyone's like, no, it's just going to compress too much a crash. Yeah, but it's only a difference of like 0.375 from the highest, the second highest powered spring for a carbine that they're recommending. But it is a slightly smaller gauge wire. So it's a little bit softer compression. And I'm just like, wait a minute. Then I started going down the fucking rabbit hole. And I'm like, oh, well, this rifle company their carbine length spring is the same as their rifle length spring for their 308 guns. So why is having a rifle length spring and a carbine bad? And then you go on Reddit and you get all these people like, well, obviously carbine length is for carbines and rifle is for rifle otherwise. Like, why would they sell them? And all these people are like telling you it's wrong. So I called my buddy who owns, is a, is a co-owner of Type A Rifle Cut. I was like, Chris, what? Am I doing something wrong? He's like, no, does it work? And I was like, yes. He's like, all right. What we basically figured out is, okay, it's already under compression. So it's not like a carbine link spring that's relaxed and you're starting the compression cycle. It's already right. under compression. So it's like a compound bow. You've already right. overcome some of the hard part. 
Right, right. So it already starts its its fucking thermal system and its kinetic system. Everything is already started with pretension on the spring. And it ended up being like perfect ejection, super soft shooting, fucking bolt lock back is fine. The gun fucking runs like a goddamn sewing machine for a cack that's already over gas because it's a battle battle proven and i'm like what's the cons here he was like honestly the only cons i can find is you might put a little bit more tension impact on your bolts your bolt detent or your sorry your your um bolt carrier detent and i started looking at the cack detent after shooting it moving the position of the the bolt carrier or uh, i'm sorry the buffer face and rotating and testing different springs it still beats it up regardless yeah. so i'm like all right fucking that's not a problem he's like yeah you're just gonna this spring's gonna wear out in x amount of rounds that we don't know yet works great it's already starting its system under fucking pressure or tension he's like run it dude just run the fuck out of it so i like i started messing with all their spring weights and i went from like normal all the way up to their blue all the way up to their super heavy springs and i'm starting to get like ejection over the shoulder which is undergassed so you know right now i'm running like a red white which is one step up in spring tension from a standard power spring and it's like at the four o'clock and i'm like i'm I'm just gonna put the rifle back in (laughs) i'm just gonna put the fucking rifle back in, get perfect three o'clock with perfect fucking and super fucking soft and fast and it'll just wear out faster like yeah i mean are you are you tracking like the the fucking the, I can't remember the word for it, but you pretty much are you tracking the life of the life cycle of the spring. I or? will. I'm going to. I only had like <clears throat> I was only putting like three or four mags through each of these springs. Basically, <clears throat> tracking my dot, my dot travel, how much uh, vertical I'm getting for my dot under like point one split cadence, and okay, like. At 30 yards at this target, how high is my dot tracking under a, a fast cadence trigger pull? Right. And my ejection. Ejection will always be king. Oh, cool. I'm ejecting at 3 o'clock every fucking time. That's exactly, that is the perfect system. Not under gas, not over gas. That's the perfect fucking system for an AR. It's 3 o'clock. So I, I should. I'm probably just going to put the rifle spring back in it and fucking test it. Because... What, what am I going to hurt? A fucking buffer tube, a spring detent, spring, and whatever. I'm not gonna da- I can't damage more than like $60 in parts. Yeah. Anyway, wow. Um, well, we talked about entry for a bit. We, we definitely covered a lot of the basics of entry, at least getting started for the listeners. We talked about like frequency analyzers and digital entry. Um, <clears throat> anything else you can think of off the top of your head real quick, just to put people in the right direction for stuff we haven't talked about? Uh, Not that I can think of right now. My brain's fucking mush. But if anyone has any questions, just go ahead and contact me on the Skypire actual page, or you can go over to the Cloaked Entry page on IG um, and just drop drop a fucking question. I'll be happy to answer it for you. If I don't, my wife will get to it. So, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Marcus, thank you so much for being our guest on the ANR Design Episode 28 podcast, uh, Unholstered Podcast, and uh, that's a wrap. 
fucking wrap.